Greetings to you, Asbury Theological Seminary, from Brazil and from Tulsa. I come uh, before you today to share some lessons that I have learned about prayer in the last year. But unfortunately, the chapel office has committed a sin. However, I believe it is forgivable. They have asked the Brazilian to preach in 10 minutes. I'm still working at forgiving you for that sin you've committed, but I'm sure the Lord has already forgiven you. But before we dive into this passage here that we find in Luke 11, that the disciples approach the Messiah asking, teach us to pray. We must notice first that Luke, the great evangelist and historian, has an emphasis on Jesus praying. I don't know if you've noticed before, but in chapter 3, at the account of Christ's baptism by John the Baptist, we read here, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And notice this. He says, and as he was praying... Heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, from whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. In chapter 4, just the next one, we see the Holy Spirit sending Christ into the desert for 40 days of fasting and prayer. In chapter 5, verse 16, smack dab in the middle of two healing accounts, Luke says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In chapter 6, at the calling of the disciples, Luke says that one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night Praying to God. And when the morning came, he called his disciples. He called 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles. I'll give you one more from Luke chapter 9, verses 28. It says about 28 and 29. It says about eight days after Jesus said this, the, he took Peter. John and James, they went, and they went up onto a mountainside to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became as bright as a flesh of lightning. And two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared. At the moment of Christ's transfiguration, he was frowned, praying. And I have decided, concluded, that Luke's emphasis on Christ in prayer is this. That the results, the effectiveness, the fruitfulness, the outcome of Christ's ministry was closely connected to the priority he placed on prayer. Obviously, the, the disciples had understood that. For in this moment here in chapter 11, as Jesus is praying, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. 
And it wasn't until recently that I took notice of that desire of the disciples. You see, I have been through seminary. I'm currently a doctor of uh, a student here at the seminary, and I have learned a lot of things from the professors that have poured all that they knew into me as long as I wanted to learn it. But the Lord woke me up saying, Josue, have you learned how to pray? And I found myself inadequate after so much theological education. That I lacked the emphasis that Christ placed in prayer. And thus, my ministry perhaps not as fruitful, not as effective, the outcome not like His. And I go on to read, how did Christ teach the disciples to pray? He says, first, come to God as Father. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. And I put myself in the shoes of Jesus and the disciples there thinking, as we approach God, we must approach Him with the confidence of being sons and daughters of the living God. Jesus was trying to teach that to His disciples. Yes, you can call Him King. You can call Him Lord. You can call Him Majesty. But as you come to on your knees to approach His throne, I want you to come with assurance, with confidence of His undying and unending and unconditional love for you. And then He gives them five requests to pray. First one is, Hallowed be your name. Everything that you would do, Lord, I pray that you would make your name hallowed on this earth. That you would make your kingdom advance in this earth. See, Jesus didn't start by telling them to ask for things that would grow them, but he said, no, pray that God's name may be magnified. That his kingdom may advance on this earth beyond any other kingdom or king that this earth has. You should find that your provision come from your Abba. And he is not interested in filling your barns, but he is interested in giving you your daily bread. Recognize that you are a sinner as you approach his throne and say, Lord, forgive me. And commit to forgive those who sin against you. And lastly, say, Lord, I know that I have sinned and that broke your heart as my father. Help me. Help me, Lord, to never get into temptation again, for I desire to sin no more. And then Jesus, after telling them how to come to the throne, after telling them five petitions of prayer, he says, this is how prayer works, let me tell you. He gives two examples. Suppose that you have a friend, 
And that friend goes to another friend's house late at night, knocks at his door, and says, hey, uh, listen, man, uh, I need you to help a brother out. I got some folks that just showed up at my house, and they, uh, I was not expecting them. They've traveled from far, and it's late at night, and I got nothing to give them. Would you be able to lend me some food so I can feed my guests? The other friend inside the house doesn't even get out of bed. He simply says, hey, man, uh, the kids are in bed. The door is locked. Uh, I can't help you today. And I'm sure he lays there. And soon after, this friend's obnoxious. His persistence. He knocks against, hey man, really, I really do need your help. All I need is three loaves of bread. That'll do for today. Just to get us over until tomorrow. And the word reads that because of the man's persistence. Listen, he got up and gave him what he needed. Not beyond what he needed, but what he needed. You see how that is already congruent with what the Lord was asking you to pray. The Lord gives the disciples another lesson about prayer and how prayer works. He says, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receive, seeks, finds, and knocks, the door will be opened for him. It is so important for you to understand, disciples, that persistence in prayer is how prayer works. So important that Jesus says it twice. He, he says, then... Uh, so I tell you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, you find. Knock, and it will be open. For everyone who asks, everyone who seeks, everyone who knocks. See, he says it twice. The emphasis there emphasizes how important it is that the disciples understood prevailing prayers is how prayer works. Another way that we see Christ's emphasis, and we learn from this, is by looking at the verbs here, asks, seeks, or searches, and knocks. Now, in the Greek, the present tense denotes a continuous kind of action. So we can reread this text by saying, for everyone who continuously asks, everyone who continuously seeks and searches, everyone who continuously knocks, the prayer will be answered. So God sometimes gives us exactly what we need, but only after a season of prevailing prayers. And then Jesus addresses something that to you and to me is a reason for a lot of nights without sleep. Why? Does God tarry in answering our prayers? I guarantee you that you, if you have not experienced 
I lost a, a night of, of lack of sleep because of that question, you will in ministry. And he brings the emphasis back on the love of a father. The reason why the Lord tarries is because he is a good father. And if you, as evil as you are, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give you exactly what you need? So because He is a good Father, because He is a loving God, because you approach His, your, His throne, understanding that your dependence is completely upon Him, He may tarry to teach you a few lessons. He may tarry to see if where you stop is simply in an asking. But if He sees that you've moved from the passiveness of simply asking, and you begin to actively search and seek, and begin to be perhaps like the obnoxious friend here in this passage, or the obnoxious widow on chapter 11. Hey man, help a brother out. He will see our desperation. He will see us saying, Lord, there is no other way. You are the only way. There is no one who, to whom I can turn. I have resolved that I will ask you and you alone. I have resolved to seek in the places where you lead me to seek. I have resolved that I will knock at no one else's door except for yours. Because doctors haven't helped. Bankers haven't helped. Counselors haven't helped. And I know that my answer is in you. So no matter how long I must ask, I will keep standing here, knocking, knowing that in you, in, in you alone is the answer to my prayer.